0: What's up guys welcome back to the better than yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday My guest today is juliana riotto Ever since I had this conversation i've been fired up to release this one. So I am glad the day is finally here Juliana is a 87 kilo weightlifter who currently competes for catalyst athletics She's been through quite the journey in her weightlifting career and has faced a lot of adversity outside of weightlifting as well so on the show, we get into her full story, how she got into the sport through CrossFit and just everything in between. So without further ado, give it up for Juliana Riotto. Cool. We should be going. Hopefully this, uh, this works out a little better. I'm yeah, sorry. Sorry. Our Skype connections are just not working. <laughs> yeah. So I was telling you just like the conversation we had last weekend was awesome. I was so fired up to do this. So thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, so let's just get started with your background. You have uh you have a pretty cool story into weightlifting, how you got into it. So do you mind sharing that?
1: Of course, absolutely. Um everybody always asks me like how did you find weightlifting? And I always tell everybody like it kind of found me. Um it wasn't a I went and found the sport. Um so I was a soccer goalkeeper till I like from when I was little, like five years old till I was seventeen um and right around like 15 16 years old i got into crossfit to just kind of stay in shape to be a keeper um and i started to really enjoy crossfit like better than any other way of staying in shape for a sport like i hated going through a retro fitness and just running on a treadmill going through the motions um so, like, my dad helped me find some new way of staying in shape that was more interesting. Um, and he brought me to a CrossFit place, like, down the street from our house, like, less than 10 minutes away. And I dragged my brother with me because I didn't want to go alone. So I, I dragged him into doing it with me, and, like, we fell in love with it instantly. Like, it, it was more interesting you always had some sort of goal whether it was learning a new gymnastics movement or trying to beat the person next to you um like times or weights or whatever and we did the open in 2014 first where it was like everybody they didn't even make the divisions yet and like it was just fun to compete like we didn't really care where we ranked we knew we were brand new we were really doing it for like less than a couple months i think um but we wanted to stick with it and then the following year we like they first announced in 2015 that they were doing the teen divisions the masters divisions all the divisions they have now so me and my brother were like super psyched we're like oh we actually get to compete this time and it's not like oh let's just see where you rank out of thousands of people in the world um so the first workout in 2015, the 2015 Open, it was a Metcon. I think it was like toes-to-bar, to rowing, and something else, probably like a barbell cycling movement. Um, and after that Metcon, you had like, I think it was like only six or eight minutes to get to a max clean and jerk. And I remember being so fired up because like when I, when I did CrossFit, and it still is now. I mean, I've definitely developed a better relationship with snatch, but like since I was just starting in CrossFit, clean and jerk was like one of my favorite movements. Um, My jerk was always stronger than my clean; it still is now. That has not changed, Um, and but I still love the whole movement. So I
0: clean and jerked 210 pounds when I was 16. Um, Insane.
1: (laughs) Like and I'm like, oh that's not that good. Like when I was 16, I'm like I'd be doing so much better. I have no idea. And we we put it up in the open and like the day goes by I'm like ranked first. Like I'm like in the region and in the world. I was like, okay, like it's more realistic that I'll say first in the region, but like I don't think I'll stay first in the world. And then like the week went by and like I didn't move. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is a prank. There's some Russian trick waiting last minute to, like, enter it or clean a jerk. Like, there's no way that I actually just placed first in the first workout of the Open in this movement. And it was locked in. um, And that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Even though, like, I was so young and I was just starting. Like, first in the world at anything is pretty freaking cool. Um, So, the weeks the Open went by, I went through all the rest of the workouts. I think I did like really good on another rowing workout but other than that like the clean and jerk was the one thing i really excelled in um so phil andrews he's he was the director not the ceo like he is now um he reached out to my crossfit gym at the end of the open and he was like who is this girl like what where did she come from? What did she do? Like, we want to get her involved with USA Weightlifting. She has a lot of potential. Like, I don't know if you guys realize, like, how strong her numbers are compared to other people in her age group. Um, so I remember, like, Karen sitting me down in her office. I was the owner of the CrossFit Like, we got a call from USA Weightlifting they want to invite you out to the Olympic Training Center for, like, camps and get you hooked up with a coach. This is, like, a really big deal. Like, you can end up going to the Olympics. I remember just sitting there, like, this is not real. Like, I'm asleep. Somebody's about to wake me up, my alarm. Like, there's no way. Because since I was a kid, I used to watch the women's national soccer team. Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, Hope Solo. Sydney LaRue, like, in awe of these girls. Like, I want to be on that team. I want to be competing for Team USA. Like, that has been a childhood dream of mine since I was super young. I remember I got to go see the women's national team play live at Red Bull Stadium. And Abby Wambach, like, broke the history of the game. And I was, like, losing my shit in the stands. I was, like, I was like, I remember going home to my dad I think I came home from school, too. My mom has a video of me coming home from school and her saying something like this and, like, me crying. I don't know where it is, but I, like, lost my mind. Like, this is crazy. Um, And, like, at first, my dad, like, with my family, like, we not the most rich people in the world like everyone knows weightlifting there's a lot of money that go into it especially when you're competing to go to nationals um, to get on Team USA um, so like he was super afraid about the money like I don't have the money to afford this and they were like offering to pay like my whole trip to the OTC like I didn't pay anything like I didn't pay flight, board, food, nothing like everything was taken care of so I'm like dad just let me go to the camp Like, let me go to the camp. It's not going to cost you anything.
0: If I go and,
1: like, they're like, sorry, kid, you're not the real deal. I don't have to continue to do it. But, like, I clearly have a better shot at the Olympics and my dreams through weightlifting than I do soccer. Because soccer for women is probably one of the most popular sports in the world. And, like, the U.S. women's national team, to this day, since when I was 16, now I'm 22, are still, like, kick-ass, winning every single game they step on the pitch. It's like, and so many girls want to be on that team. We're weightlifting. It's a much smaller world. Everybody, it's just there's there's a better chance of me making world teams, Olympic teams, Junior Pan Ams, Pan American Games. There's just such a better chance of me making these teams versus hopefully maybe one day being third string on a women's soccer team. And that wasn't easy to get through to him, but like, this is something I knew I wanted, and that's kind of this. I remember going to this local meet. Phil told me I just had to total. Like it did not matter if I only made two out of six
0: lists. As long as I hit a total, that's all that mattered. Um, so I went
1: there, no singlet, somebody lent me a singlet, in the nano 5.0s. <laughs> and when, I think I went five for six. I, I missed one snatch and hit all my clean and jerks, So I ended with, like, a 71-kilo snatch, and I tied my clean and jerk at 96. And I ended up winning, like, the local competition. And everybody was like, who the hell is this kid? Because I'm the youngest one there by, like, 10 years. Nobody <laughs> knows who the hell I am. And, like, everybody who asked me, I just explained to them what's happening. And they're like, you're literally here because USA Weightlifting called you to be here. Like, other people are just here to try and, like, qualify for, like, regionals when regionals was still a thing. Um, So it was just, it was super funny. Everybody was just in shock. Um, So that was a really cool experience. And then after that, I went to, like, five OTC camps. It was so much fun going out there. Uh, But, yeah, that's kind of the story on how I got started.
0: So I guess it's more fair to say that weightlifting found you. You didn't really find weightlifting.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So you always had these Olympic dreams, though, growing up. You're watching soccer, and you're like, I want to go to the Olympics. Was there, like, when you're watching soccer, are you like, that's the only thing? Are you like, I'm just going to the Olympics. I don't care what it is. Even if it was, you know, basketball or volleyball, like, are you just Olympics all in?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I knew... From a young age, I loved soccer. I loved being a keeper. I loved the pressure. Um, And what what was sad with soccer is I started to run into a lot of politics, and that's what really, like, pushed me to be a weightlifter um, in near the end because it it literally – and I think that had to happen because soccer wasn't keeping me from weightlifting, which I've now made all the success with. But I remember, like, watching the Olympics and watching, like, the gymnasts, too. Like, An older gymnast I remember watching is, like, Jordan Weaver. She isn't around anymore. Or, like, Simone Biles now. But, like, watching these girls just commit so much of their lives, like, no social life, just school and athletics, to do something they're so passionate about and compete and represent their country and do it so well. Like, how quickly and sharp Simone Biles moves through the air as she does a flip is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's just like, I wanted to be a part of that, whether it was me on a soccer field, making the most unbelievable save at an Olympic level pitch, or if it's me going to the Olympics as an 87 kilo lifter and clean and jerking over 140 kilos to get like a bronze medal, like just that energy I feel on a platform competing for the U.S. um, And me, like me sitting here, I can visualize myself having that same energy at a world championship, at an Olympic Games. There's just no, I don't know how to describe that feeling. There's not enough like words, I think, to actually describe what you feel when you're out there.
0: Yeah, I guess at that point, like your emotions just kind of take over and anyone who follows you on Instagram sees the type of lifter you are. So you are very emotional, which I think is, I think is cool. And I think it's also important that you know yourself as a lifter. Like if I tried to be you, I would not be very successful. (laughs) So have you ever had like any coaches tell you like you're too intense, Jules, you need to dial it back?
1: I've had friends. I had one friend that told me that who's also a lifter, but none of my coaches ever did. Like all of my coaches, like, I, my first coach, and and now Amy. Like, and even like Greg, like coaches me on the side if we're at like um, a competition or, or a camp at Camp of Catalyst. Like, everybody loves my energy. Like, no one has ever told me. The only time someone has told me to like tone it down a little bit if it's like i'm at a competition and i i remember i snatched a junior american record at ao finals in milwaukee i think that was 2018 i like lost my shit totally because I, I wanted american record since i realized they were a thing um and i remember dane saying like if you're gonna lose your shit do it on a third attempt and don't you dare do it on a second attempt because you are going to be trained and not be able to go for the second attempt. So in that case, yes, I need to control myself and I think I'm pretty good at it, especially if we're going into a competition and I'm well aware, like whatever Amy, Amy's weights, she plans for me. um, It's kind of like, you're not done until you hit all your lifts. Um, So, I know, like, in competitions, I'm very... I don't talk to anybody. And I'm a very outgoing person. Super nice. But when I'm in, like, game mode, I don't talk to anybody. I have my music, like, blasting full volume. And, like, if I'm sitting, like, on deck waiting to lift, I'll literally put my jacket over my head or, like, stare at the floor so I can't see or hear anything that's going on around me because it doesn't matter. What matters is what I'm doing. Um... So I think it's just me knowing how to manage my emotions and use it to my favor and not, like, letting loose too soon.
0: Yeah, and I think it has to do with, like, training is so much. We're training for months at a time, and it's like you have three opportunities in the snatch, three opportunities in the clean and jerk. So you want to show people that all the work that you've put in the last month or last, you know, year, basically. So I think yeah. I think you kinda you have to when you get on that stage, like that's your your one chance to kinda go for it. So absolutely. you might as well just let loose. Oh, absolutely. So what was it like the first time you uh you quit soccer, you start doing weightlifting. What's the first time like when you get a USA singlet and you get to put that on and compete?
1: It was so funny. So the first time I made a team was in 2017, and I made the team at um, Junior Nationals in um, I think it was Kansas City, and I went up against um, Jesse Bradley, um, and I beat her out. And this was cool because when I used to go to OTC, Jesse Bradley was a resident, and I was just going there, and I knew that she was in my weight classes when I was a 75 kilo lifter, much smaller than I am now. Um, and I was, like, in awe over Jesse. Like, I was like, holy crap, she's a resident at the OTC. I want to be a resident of the OTC. She holds, like, the Junior American record in the snatch. Like, I want a record. Um, and she was just such a nice, she still is such a nice and down to earth person. So, like, I liked competing with her because we were really good competition, but there was never, like, any really bad tension or, like, anger towards each other. It was just, like... We both respected that we're both really good athletes, and it was fun to compete against each other. Um so in junior nationals, I think I snatched ninety-one or ninety-two, and then clean and jerked 114. And I ended up getting gold in the snatch, and I missed my last clean and jerk at 117, and Jesse got it. So I was like, I was like this close to actually fully beating out Jesse, and I like slipped up on my last clean and jerk. And was, like, super bummed. It was, like, my second junior nationals ever. And that's just because I hold myself to really, really high standards. I still do now. And I try to have more understanding for myself now than I did then. So I'm, like, devastated. Like, I came second in junior nationals. I came here and I wanted to win. And, like, the next day or two, no, it was probably, like, a week later when they organized all the results for the team's I'm like interested to see who made it and I'm thinking I didn't make it because Jesse beat me so she gets get the spot and I see me screaming after my 114 clean and jerk this huge picture in the middle of the USA Weightlifting website announcing the teams and I was like hold on <laughs> and I like clicked on the page and like I made the team with Jesse and I was like not only did I just make this team they used my picture from junior nationals to announce it to the world, which like blew me away because like, this is my first team. I didn't even think I made it. <laughs> and then there's my picture on USA Weightlifting's website. Um, so then, then you get the gear you put in your, you get the forms, you assign everything, put in your sizes. And like back in 2017, they loaded up the junior teams I had, like, they gave us, like, three robe t-shirts, a year subscription to
0: Gainsbox, a singlet with your name on the leg, um,
1: and the warm-up suit. And, like, I still refuse to get rid of that warm-up suit. Like, no matter how many new ones I get or singlets, like, I never want to get rid of of any of my singlets. Like, if anything, I'll put them in a frame with pictures from that competition. Like, I'll never get rid of those singlets. Um, There's just... When you're chasing something, especially something you knew you had in you from such a young age, and you finally see it start to become a reality, because a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people have big dreams like, oh, yeah, it would be amazing if I could do this, and they don't ever get it. So having that develop at such a young age was so surreal to me. Like, holy crap, like, this is a USA singlet with an American flag on it, with my name, it felt like a superhero suit. Like, I felt like, it was like a little kid inside of me was jumping like a jumping bean, just so excited. Um, And I remember, like, always being choked up, always so excited, like, waiting for my gear. Um, And I think I made Junior Pan Ams and Junior Worlds that year. And it's so cool, like, when you show up to these competitions, like, everybody's in their gear, you're there as a team, you see all of the other countries, and then, like, all of the other big-name lifters from Instagram, and you get to meet these people and try and communicate with them if they speak a different language. Hand gestures are a big thing if you don't know <laughs> what language they're talking um, But, yeah, it's, it's always a dream come true. Like, that that never goes away for me every time I get it for whatever team, um, it's like the same feeling over and
0: over. That's awesome that you can understand like kind of the magnitude of it when yeah. it's happening because a lot of times when people are chasing something for so long and then you achieve it, you kind of don't appreciate it. Right. But every single time that you get on a team, get new stuff, it's good that you can realize that how special that, that opportunity actually is. Yeah
1: cherish it I, I truly believe i'm super blessed with my whole situation and where i'm at
0: now so let's get into that a little bit i i know you're pretty open on instagram and stuff like that so um last year basically you left garage strength you joined catalyst athletics so what kind of went on in your life that led up to that change
1: yeah so um that definitely wasn't the plan at first um i worked well with Dane. I mean, he got me to junior Worlds two times, uh, junior Pan Ams two times. Like, my last year as a junior was my best year. And even according to USA Weightlifting, because they gave me um, 2018 best junior female lifter of the year. Um, And right after I competed in China for the IWF World Cup in 2019, that was in February um, I got bronze. That was really cool because in China they make so much money off weightlifting. They were giving out prizes for the places. And I was just going there to get a stipend. Like that was the goal. Like I needed to hit this total for the stipend. I don't care what I do on the platform. And I ended up getting bronze and they have so much money. Dude, bronze place was $800. And like first place was like over two grand. And like a little funny side story, Jesse Bradley was an eighty-one, and there were no other eighty-ones, and she was just handed two grand. I was like, "Dude, if I would have known that, I would have just cut a couple kilos to get like the second place prize." Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so go out there, compete, get my stipend, come back with eight hundred bucks in my pocket from the Chinese Weightlifting Federation, um, on top of the world, um, and i say behind the scenes but like wasn't really behind the scenes because like all of my teammates knew all my friends knew um i was dating a girl talking to a girl dating a girl Uh, her name's chelsea petrakowski um and i didn't tell my parents because old school christian italian family old school morals um They just, I had a very strong feeling that they'd have a very hard time with it. Um, The extent it went to, I really wasn't expecting. Um, And I have a younger brother as well, so he knew um, and met my girlfriend and was trying to be as supportive as possible before my parents found out. So I came back from China, and I came on to my parents' And, like, after that, my whole world changed. Um, They first said that they wanted me to just break up with Chelsea and that they weren't going to allow it to happen. And, like, as soon as my father looked at me and told me that, I went from, like, being the soft, crying, emotional girl to be like, actually, you know what? No. Like, I'm I'm not going to let you sit here and tell me that just with how much I care. About Chelsea and how much I cared about her in that moment, I was like, absolutely not. So it was a, we can't support this lifestyle because of their belief in God. So therefore, they couldn't support their daughter. Um, so they asked me to leave the house. Um, and at this point in time, most of my stuff was in PA, anyways, because I was living in an apartment down
0: the street from Garage Shrink for three years because I was training full-time with Dane,
1: and my stipend from USA Wheelisting, before I went to China, was just covering my rent, and then my parents were putting in all the extras, um, like groceries, gas, car bill, phone bill, everything you need to get for your day-to-day. And that was pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Like you, I was getting paid... To, from weightlifting, excuse me, to lift full time and then I had such supportive parents that they were behind me and my goal is 100% that they were like we believe in you, we're behind you we don't want you to worry about anything else we don't want you to have any extra stress we want you to put all of your energy and effort to this thing and it was working I mean like I placed second in the world at Junior Worlds. I won Junior Pan Am, swept gold. I was a Junior National Champion that year, uh, Junior American Records in the stash in total. Like it, it was clearly working. And then I think still to this day, I'm surprised how they could put all that effort in. And just because of a relationship that I was in, they could just pull all of it like in a snap of a finger. Um, especially because... I've been through so much with my family. My mom was in a really bad car wreck about ten years ago. Um, she was hit by a drunk driver. Um, she like came off the road, hit a water fountain, and her car flipped. she had like a ton of back surgeries, neck surgeries, and then a month after that, our house got flooded out from um, a hurricane. I can't remember which one because we would always. I lived in Fairfield in New Jersey and we used to call it Floodfield because it would flood so often. Um, and this flood from this hurricane, it was just so much. we were getting hit with so much water. It got into the first floor of our house. So we couldn't live in there and we were out of our house for like 11 months. And I watched my dad like literally be Superman, like work, take care of my mom, get me to soccer practice, get my brother to football to practice. Um, get us sandwiches for lunch in between his lunch shifts like it, the stuff he did i still am in amazement of how he did it um and that hurt too because i watched like the man i looked up to the most and wanted to like follow under his footsteps in that way like how he persevered through so much and like took care of the people he he loves and his family and he could he could have walked out or said screw this I don't want to deal with this and he stuck through it and that same man just pulled all of the support because of his own beliefs of what happens after he, people pass and and his faith and I still have my faith I still am a Christian I still pray I still have my opinion on it I haven't lost my faith but I don't believe Something like what happened to me should happen because of somebody's faith. I mean, like, they pulled their car, my my car that was under my father's name, the lease, because of the, uh, me, whatever I was posting on social media, and then he was worried about the miles on the car if I was coming to see Chelsea in New York because it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive. He threatened to get me kicked out of my apartment because we were co-signing the lease. So I had to get him off the lease in my apartment and then make my own decision to move somewhere else. And I had to change my phone bill over to my name, get a job. So now I went from the lifter that didn't have any worries in the world other than to just lift to, okay, now you have to live the normal person life. You have a job, you have to pay your bills, You have to pay your own way, and you have to continue to do the thing you've been doing as intensely as you've been doing it, if you want to continue doing what you have been doing, Um, and that was hard. That was not easy. I I used to do double sessions four days a week and train fully six days a week, and I loved it. I loved being a full-time lifter, but when you have to work, like... Part, like in between the part time and full time hours of so a job, you have to kind of balance like, okay, well, do you want to train at night because it's easier to get more shifts in the morning, or do you want to train in the morning and try and get the night shifts and make sure you go home and sleep right away for recovery? So I'm dealing with like the new, like, and it's not like some parents take their kids and, like, gradually teach them how to pay their bills and gradually teach them, like, okay, this is your car payment. Give us a little bit a month. Like, there was none of that. It was everything is now on you. Um, and that wasn't easy. And the only way I got through, like, the finance and the emotional stuff, um, honestly, was my girlfriend. Like, Chelsea was there with me through it all and her, her mom and her dad. Um, and they did not let me fall on my ass. They were there. Um, and I think what happened with Dane and him and I have had conversation about it. It was just like, he was really busy. He has first head. He has, other than me, he had like five other lifters that are all at that level of athletics wrestlers, throwers, football teams. He just had the twins not too long ago. Dane had so much going on that the amount of support I needed for my whole world flipping upside down, he just wasn't capable and that's okay. And I'll never hold that against Dane. And I know Dane will never hold it against me that I needed to make a switch that was to better me and find somebody who could give me the amount of attention that I needed. Um, Like the transition over to Amy was super smooth. There was no hard feelings. Everybody involved was in complete agreement. I really was for the best. I miss Dave. I miss my friends in PA. I miss my old teammates. I still talk to Anna McNacolary a little bit. Um, I see Jake's doing amazingly well. Everyone there looks like they're doing really well. Okay, hitting PRs? Like hitting PRs? And I still sit here, and I'm so proud of them. Like, they were my teammates at one time, and I train with them every day, sometimes twice a day. And they will always be – I'll always support them as they are still my teammates now. Um, and I, I'm really happy that I can say that because there are some situations where, like, athletes leave their coaches in a horrible way, and that is not what happened in any way. Like, I am still involved with EarthVet, and I'm very happy and grateful for that. Um, and with that being said, I'm so happy I made the change over to Amy. Amy is one of the most supportive coaches I've ever met in my life. Like she really goes the extra mile and checks in with me every day, especially when stuff is really bad with my parents. She did whatever she could to help, um, with that situation. She still does. Um, she's really been here to just talk to, you, um, whenever stuff's going bad, whether it's at my job or whatever I'm trying to do in my personal life. She's really just there for everything. Um, and her doors are always open if I want to go take a weightlifting trip to Oregon. If I have the time with work and can make it work, I was just there a um, couple weeks ago. And like I had the best training week of my life. And it was so cool to have that staying with her all day.
0: Yeah, I think like at that point, the weightlifting almost becomes on the back burner. It's like... You, right. you try to, you kind of just hang on, you want to hang on to your numbers as, as best as you can, but the life is really the thing that you have to take care of. And that's something yeah. that you have to do. You can pretend that it's not going on, or you could have just tried to train and keep doing, keep like kind of pounding your head against the wall. But your body knows when you're under that type of stress that you're, there's something else going on. It's not just training. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome that you've really overcome this adversity. I think that will make you a better lifter in the long run, and I think it'll make you a better person too, that you've been able to deal with a shitty situation. I don't think there's any like other way to say it, that it sucks.
1: Really, like training, it was hard because I was not hitting the numbers that I would always hit, and I could not understand why. Like, like you said, I would try and pretend that what was happening outside wasn't happening. Um, and try and just shut it out and go train. But, like, when you're in that heavy of stuff, you kind of just have to accept that, like, you have a lot going on. Your numbers aren't dipping completely. You're just a little um, I mean, like, perfect example I could give is I had to go to Great Britain in June, which was kind of in the heat of everything. And I already signed up to go. My flights were booked. And I, I remember Phil saying, like, you don't have to go like, don't feel like you have to, I wouldn't blame you if you stayed home, and I was just like, no, I want to go compete, I'm not going to let my outside situation affect my lifting, I didn't want to, I cared about my lifting so much, and I still have, still had, still have now those Olympic goals, and they weren't going away, Um, and I remember, like, clerking, like, my opener weights before I was going, and, like, breaking down in the gym and DJ Shuttleworth um, wh- I remember him being there for most of my sessions and him just saying like hey look like, you only have like a certain amount of time in this gym and like I know it's hard but you have to like just dedicate whatever time you have to lift just to lifting and then as soon as you walk out those doors you can take care of it because there's nothing you're going to do about it in here other than lift there's nothing you're going to do so you need to just focus when you walk through these doors on the barbell and then when you go outside, you take care of all of your other life stuff. And, like, that was one of the most valuable pieces of advice he could have given me at that time. I remember going to Great Britain expecting to, like, totally bomb out. I, I did not bomb at a competition ever. And I was like, I'm going to bomb. I am not hitting any of my weights that I'm supposed to. And I went in there, I guess game day, I was like, just do whatever you can. And I went out there and snatched 103. Don't know how because I didn't touch anything above 95 before I went out there. And I clean jerked 123, and it, like and ended up getting silver. And I only got silver under an athlete from China. So it was like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> like stuff's hard, but like I'm not totally drowning or suffering. Like I, I can get through this, no matter how hard it may be right now.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And I highly recommend anyone listening, go follow Amy on Instagram. I try to not follow people that I don't know on Instagram, but she is somebody who is highly worth following. Her captions, she just seems like, the. I think she's such a great weightlifting coach, but the weightlifting is almost secondary. It's about you guys as athletes. It's That's way more important to her.
1: She's very big into mindset. Like, she's always told me, like, the way your body feels is a lie. Like, you need to go into training every day, and, like, whatever she programs is, like, you fight to make those numbers. And then she also is, like, the understanding, like, okay, what went on today? Like, why did this go wrong? And then talk about it. And as long as she knows that, like, I'm giving her my absolute best and I'm not quitting on myself – Never gonna scold me for it. Like that's not. Amy is a very good balance of being soft and supportive when she needs to be, and then the I'm gonna be hard on you and push you past your best limits. It's it's an amazing balance.
0: So, what do you think was the hardest thing transferring from full time weightlifting? You have basically no responsibilities to, you have to work a job now, you have to pay for your phone bill. What do you think was the hardest thing that you had to deal with?
1: Honestly, and I just kind of came out of this recently, um, I felt like a victim for a really long time because everything that was happening to me was completely out of my control and I just kept telling myself, this isn't fair i really hard to accept like this is how you need to do things now and i i honestly i don't think i had fully gotten over that until my trip to oregon like i when i came back here and i I wrote about it on my social media like i finally stopped being afraid of everything i was so afraid that i was like if i worked too many hours in a week i was gonna fall on my ass and i was never gonna find my own apartment out here in new york and do all the things i needed to do um and that was really hard to get out of. Like, that was a year and a half worth of being afraid, not believing that I could do everything I needed to, just wanting things to go back to the way they were, um, and just wanting to have support of, of parents again, of everything, not just my listing, like, of my relationship, of job opportunities I'm getting now at my job. And, like, I've, I'm still kind of in contact with my parents And like, they, and like, I may be yelled at for saying this publicly, but I don't really care because again, this whole no no fear thing, they think they know best. They are still under the impression that I should run home, be a full-time athlete again and not do what I'm doing out here. And my training right now is the best it's ever been. I'm hitting all-time PRs, I'm hitting old PRs that look like openers, um, and I'm working more. So, like, I'm proving to myself every day that, like, I'm capable of this stuff. And i if that's the biggest message I can put through your podcast and tell people, like, you may think you cannot achieve whatever, like, two things at once or something that's super overwhelming. But if you just work at it step by step and get out of your own fucking head and plain English, you will get everything you want. I can guarantee it because I, I literally just lived it for the past two years. Um, and that's like one of the biggest messages I want to be able to put out there. Like no matter how hard shit is, you will be stuck in that hole for a little bit and it's about working your way out of it one step at a time. It does not happen overnight. And you kind of have to embrace the suck a little bit and realize it's okay to feel shitty. It's okay to cry your eyes out. It's okay to be a mess and let that all out. And then contain yourself, regain your composure, and say, this is my game plan. This is what I'm going to do. And this is I'm going to take this step by step every day.
0: I think it comes down to just giving a shit about something. Like having something... Yeah that you're so passionate about that no matter what's going on, I'm going to find him. I'm going to find a way to make this work. That's what it comes absolutely. down to. Well, I absolutely agree. So what's the, what's the next goal? You're coming back uh, like 2020. Are you doing American open finals or nationals?
1: Yes. I, I will be at nationals as long as it's happening. I will be there. Um, and honestly, I really just want to put out a big total and make all my lists. Like, before the pandemic, I went to the Arnold with Amy and went for my first 6-for-6 six six performance. Um, and I want another one with way bigger numbers. Like, I finished with 101.27 127 at the Arnold. Um, and I, I don't know what's going to be on the bar for my last attempts at the Nationals. Um, but all I know is I've been hitting what I finished with at the Arnolds routinely in training. So that's really exciting i'm really just i'm not looking to place first i mean like i'm honestly just looking to hit the numbers i know i'm capable of
0: and come out on
1: top after everything i've been through these past few years and be there with amy and like because i i mean like i'm sure there's some people's opinions that i that amy stole me from dane i mean i've heard some of that and that's not what happened um, and it's just kind of, cause I mean, Dane is still behind me. I'm still in touch with Dane here and there. Um, so it's just overcoming the crappy situation I've been through and being the bigger and better athlete that I knew I was always capable of.
0: Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I see with USA weightlifting that I hate is that people, um, don't realize that they're not competing for a team like you're not really competing for catalysts. You're not really competing for garage strength or power and grace, whatever the team is. When you're going to an international competition, you're competing for the U S so there's right. all these like secrets in weightlifting. And I don't want this athlete to go over there or I don't want them to go to this coach. And it's like, no, we we should all care about the same goals, like making the right. U S really good at weightlifting.
1: Don't realize that, especially at national competitions. Um, it's not about what team you're on. Um, I and, mean, of course, there's it's a competition. Like, people are going to be competing against each other. And, like, I used to be super, like, I mean, when I went up against Jesse Bradley back in 2017, I was super, like, I want to beat her. And then it was when I finally switched my mindset to I want to beat the past me is when I really started excelling in weightlifting. And, like... This motivation this time is being the athlete I know I can be on that platform. And it's just me and that barbell, and I'll I'll have my earphones in, mask on, and hood up in that warm-up platform area, just telling myself, like, you were going to go out there and go after this number. And that is all I care about. I do not care who else will be in the 87-kilo class there. I don't care who's around me watching all I care about is that Amy and Greg will be there and whatever other teammates will be in the back of me. They're behind me and they support me and I'm there for me and that's it.
0: That's such a good mindset. I think you're in a really good mental space is, is what it sounds like. Thank you. So I just have one final question. This is the better than yesterday question. You kind of hinted at this, like, good stuff that you've already said before, but what's one piece of advice that you could give to people that you can write on a sticky note or note card that's just going to help them be a little bit better today than they were yesterday?
1: Um, I re- The biggest thing that I've learned is embrace yourself fully, and I don't fucking care who's against it. My own parents, my own family was against it. As long as you're fucking happy, and you're happy with the person you choose to be with, the life you choose to live, who gives, who cares about anybody else's opinion? If you are happy, it should not matter. And you can find the people who are happy for you. The family I found in Catalyst, my teammates, I know I could call any one of my teammates at any time of the day and they would pick up, or they would shoot me a text and be like, hey, I can't talk right now, let's talk at this time. And they would be there for me. Same with Amy, same with Greg. I know anybody on that team, What I found in that, after I lost a big support system, just be you, be happy, it's worth it. There may be consequences, you may lose people, but at the end of the day, you will live such a happier life if you just choose who you want to be. It's your life, it's not your parents' life or the life they want for you, they think they know best, they know what's best for your kid. At the end of the day, it's what you want it's your coach could think whatever they want whatever goals they have for you it's what you want whether you want less or more it's what you want and what you're willing to do for yourself to get there like I wasn't willing to work for myself in my personal life when this all started because I was always taken care of for my parents and it took me till. Pretty much a couple weeks ago to say, I'm going to support myself, so I don't need to be afraid of anybody pulling anything from out under my feet again. And I am so much happier with that mindset than I was living in fear and panic every single day. So be you, be happy, and support yourself, and then find people who will also support you. But you have to support yourself first, or you're not going to be able to find those people. Because then you're going to be like, why would these people, or why should these people support me if I don't even support myself?
0: Yeah, I love that. So where can people find you on Instagram if they want to follow your journey?
1: Um, my Instagram is juliana.rose, so J-U-L-I-A-N-A dot Rose, R-O-S-E, and then two underscores. That's my Instagram.
0: Okay, cool. I'll get it linked up in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Sorry for the shitty thank connection, you. but this was such a good message, so thank you for being here. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, anytime. Thank you for having me.
0: And that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you again so much to Juliana for coming on the show. If you guys like this one, share it out, take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, and tag both of us. And if you have a couple extra minutes this week, make sure to give this show a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a quick review. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys on the next one.